The following program is intended for mature audiences. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. What are you people, on dope? All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend. Indeed it does. But first, it's time for the opening gem of the day. start yep <laughs> a podcast 
Oh, that is, of course, from the bad boys from Boston, the Toxic Twins, Aerosmith, uh, doing Eat the Rich, the second single off their 1993 album, Get a Grip. It was also uh, prominently featured as the first song on their 1998 double-disc live album, A Little South of Sanity. Hmm. And it's kind of funny when you think about it that two guys who pissed through more money than most people will see in five <laughs> lifetimes wrote a song called Eat the Rich. But look, the rich are always an easy target, especially for truth? rock and roll. Hell yes. And especially nouveau riche, as they say. <laughs> riche. You gotta, you gotta yes. riche that nouveau yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's like French, isn't it? Yes. I think? Yeah. Yes. Those Which, working on their first house in the Hamptons. Right. Right. And uh, it's, we, you know, look, we, we pulled that tonight because our opening topic is about people cut from that ilk, the nouveau riche <laughs> or the upwardly mobile, however you want to phrase it. Or the wannabes. It seems yeah. to me it's the wannabes. You because know? as we've said before, you know, trying times create millionaires. And because not everybody has the knowledge or wherewithal. Well, thank God, because I was going to say they can do porn, uh, <laughs> they can make liquor, or they can make weapons. You know, the true. three things that true. are always recession-proof. This is also true. And nowadays, it seems, stupid ideas for the internet and apps. It would seem. Uh, Bulletproof. According, according to my research, literally thousands of new apps uh, are added to Apple's App Store and mm -hmm. Google's Play Store every day. Right. I mean, these, these are people that are trying so hard, uh -huh. you know, and I got to say, in, in, I'm not, I know this will come as a shock to everybody. Uh, I'm not an app person. Um, you know, doing this research, mine kind of made me want to create an app called Duh, you know, to just like dumb down every aspect of your life to a point on, where, you know, on. you're literally <laughs> illiterate. Um, but yeah, it, it just seems like some of these things are just, yeah. really? Is that really... Necessary, and, and before we even get into some of the ideas we've culled over the last yeah. week, let me say this is not coming from a, a place of bitterness <laughs> because somebody may or may not have had a Big Boom Radio app oh. many moons ago uh. and went through the process of becoming a... Because uh, it, it's a process. You just can't throw an app up there. Oh, sure. I'm sure. So in most cases, you've got to pay a bunch of pencil neck geeks an exorbitant sum to come up with this app, right? Right, right. But then you've got to, yourself, in order to market it, become a, uh, an app developer with both the good folks at Apple yeah. and the good folks at Google. Right, okay? right. And the, the Apple one is, is not just more expensive, but it's a lengthy application. Okay. The Google one's only like 25 bucks, and you do have to place somewhere in your app the, the Moab, mother of all, Disclaimers. Okay. <laughs> at the end, that you're not going to cull their private, you know, uh, information to unknown parties and this and that. It, it's it's massive. Really. And their thing is, there's there's sticklers for because they had been sued several times. Yeah. That you've got to stick this someplace in your app. Really. But that's not why I was pissed off. Okay. I was pissed off because here I am bringing music to the masses in a very convenient form. Yeah. Had a little alarm function, you know, had the album <laughs> art. You could, you could, you know, see what was played the last 10 times. Wonderful, right? right? Yeah. Well, I initially charged uh, $4.99 for this. A reasonable which, price. Well, you would think reasonable, but you know what? Maybe in the world of so many things being free. Yeah. Although I put free in air quotes because there's always like six point type that Nothing says. Nothing is free. Nothing. In, in app purchases may apply, right? <laughs> so anyway, I threw it out there for $4.99. Got some ghoul. My, my closest friends, yeah. they got it. Nobody else touched it. Uh. Then I decided to drop it down to a buck ninety-nine. Okay. And in the same breath, a week later, ninety-nine cents. What a piece of junk! Virtually no takers. So finally, you know, I like to experiment with things. Sure. I throw my hands up in the air in frustration. I go online and I mark it free. Okay. Yeah. In China, in one day, I made I pushed two thousand units. <laughs> All for nothing, mind you, right? So that was like the, the boom, boom, oh. boom, double slap in the face. Christ Thank you, China. to move. Yeah. There you go. Right? Yeah. Right? And I don't know how many like in, in the States, but whatever. So that was, that was my lesson Ugh. with that. You know, and it's, it's just such a shame, too, because I generally look at apps as just another way to surveil people, mm -hmm. just another way to track your purchases, invade your privacy, just because that's my look, mindset. Yeah. You sounded like you were... You, you, it was a benign endeavor. You weren't totally. trying, to, trying to put the zap on anybody, and that's what you get for your yep. efforts. And the, the, the uh, little denouement of that story is now, many, many years later, yeah. I got an email that I was now part of a de facto class action lawsuit against <laughs> Google because they, and during this period, 
weren't paying people for right. units that they were selling. Google? Jeez, Imagine I'm that, right? Shocked and to hear I trusted this. I trusted that. You know. So supposedly I've got a check coming my way any day now. We won the class action lawsuit, but well, there you as go. of yet So you got something out of it after all. Well we'll see. As of yet my door has not been darkened by Mr. Google. Okay. okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So this is going to be like a check for $0.99 cents or something like that? Oh, actually, it's supposed to start at $250. All right. And the end cap can be God knows how much. But considering I didn't move that much, it's probably closer to the 250 But, hey, that's like, what, a tank of gas these days? There and you a go. Of eggs? You yeah. know, that's, what, a six-pack of five-hour energy, I think. Well, Bidenomics. <laughs> so... On that note, <laughs> we uh, did right. do our due diligence. Yeah. Because, uh, yes, down economies are where fortunes are made. Often, this is the important part, yeah. with minimal sweat and loads of ingenuity. So we're going to discuss a couple of these that we happen to like yeah. that we've come across. So why don't you start us off with one that, that caught your entrepreneurial well, I'm not, eye. I'm not going to say that these are apps I like because there is no app that I like. True. But I'm going to say that since I found these particular apps colossally stupid, these are probably the ones that are going to make somebody a gazillion well, dollars. one door to go through. Okay. Um, and, you know, <laughs> they'll be sending me, you know, the thank, thanks for the endorsement, mm -hmm. you know, FU kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> energy. But uh, I came across this one that, again, you know, douchey. Uh, it's called Social Call, okay. where apparently it's an app that reminds you to stay in touch with people via your favorite contacts list. So in other words, you have your favorite contacts who you're keeping in touch with because uh -huh. they're your favorite contacts, and the app is going to remind you to keep in touch with them. That kind of blurs the definition of little, favorite. little redundant, <laughs> just, just a little bit. Now, whoever, made, whoever created this, because literally it is so stupid. Uh -huh. I mean, this is up there with the hula hoop. This yeah. guy is going to be laughing all the way to the back. Well, or girl, because it could be a girl. <laughs> it sounds know? to me like this person's mom was the one that came <laughs> up with the idea. Because you never call. You're out with your friends. You never call you your never mother. Call. You never call. Well, now hopefully she's in their favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if the person that created this app said, okay, now shut up, Ma. Okay, there you go. It's done. Go home. Well, yeah, uh, I think that's got merit. I mean, but then again, I don't live in a world where I need an app to remind me to, to call anybody that's, that's worth calling. Right. And I hate using the phone anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to the telephone you. You the way really... you are with technology. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like, yeah. don't like talking on the phone. This Do is not. true. There's, there's nuances that you just can't see over the telephone. Right. Right. The sweat, the fear, the disgust. You can't <laughs> see that. You don't enjoy that when it's, you yeah. know. Yeah. All right. How about this one? Okay. Uh, this one was called Wakey. Wakey? Wakey? Yeah. Uh, and basically, all it is is an app where a stranger calls you to wake you up. Wakey, wakey. A stranger. Eggs and bacon. That's, <laughs> that's weird. That's just weird. Well, let's break it down. And I, and I guess it's that got its own... That makes me want to hit somebody in the head with a crowbar. <laughs> wakey? Really? Because, again, bouncing back to me, not, yes. not, not a phone person. Right. If I see a, a number calling me that I don't recognize, I don't pick up. This Hell is in no. 1975. No. I don't know you, right? It's, it's, it's going to be somebody that you won't, don't want to talk to or somebody that is trying, trying to, to get money yeah. out of you in one way, shape, or form <laughs> or another, which really makes them someone you yep. don't want to talk to. So I'm guessing, you know, again, this wakey, you know, sign up almost like... Uh, uh, a, a variation on the Lyft or Grubhub, you know. Yeah. You see somebody that needs waking up, you sign on to do it. Yeah. And it's probably got its own distinct sound or whatever, so you know it's just not a random call. Right, right. But again, oh, you just need the, somebody just, to... I mean, come on. Tell me the name <laughs> of the app doesn't give you douche chills. Come on now. Wakey. Yeah. Eggs and bakey. Ugh. That was already taken, probably. Uh, probably. All right, back over to you, sir. Um, well, this is kind of a combo <laughs> thing. Um... And it's, it's kind of evidence of, of what I loathe about technology in general. Mm -hmm. um, two, two different apps. One's called, I believe it's Massey, and another one is called Shabam. Or excuse me, wait a minute. No, the first one is called uh, Massey, and the second one is called Byte, which I kind of chuckled. We were talking about this pre-show. When I wrote it down, since my handwriting is terrible, <laughs> when I looked down on it after I wrote it down, it looked like bile. Which I think is actually more That's appropriate than Byte. But, uh, but yeah, Massey is a, a recommendations platform based on your uh, family's and friends' opinions on products. And uh, Byte or Bile, mm -hmm. whichever. I like Bile better. 
Uh, it's a review app based on review options from other bile users. Hmm. Why do I care about any of these people's opinions on anything? See, that's, see, that's, that's, it is, see, that's the problem. Some people do, and some people don't. It's, and it's, there's no in between. It's made people think, number one, erroneously, that anybody cares about their opinion. Yeah. And number two, it's made people think that they're experts on things. Like these clowns that like review hotels, for example. This mm-hmm. is a topic that's near and dear to Johnny's <laughs> in my heart. You know, they used to pay people for this. They, people used to have to go to school to become qualified yeah. to register this kind of feedback. Yeah. And I hate to break this to you folks, but you get what you pay for. Yeah, I like this you know? app less when it was... The world needs ditch diggers, too. Yeah. Which is ex- exactly everything that you're talking about. It's yeah. like, all of a sudden, people need to hear about this. Do they? Do they really? Yeah. From Digital who, Karen? From no. who, yeah, from who? And what <laughs> makes you, you know, an expert on this? Yep. You know, and, and again, that's one of the big problems I have with this wave of technology in general is it makes people think that somehow they're experts on something. Mm-hmm. And you're not. You're just no. not. You know, and, and no, the world doesn't want or need to hear your opinions on things. I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> well, here's an example. God, I'm being like the bitter curmudgeon this week. This no, is usually your job. I'm kind of jumping into this with both feet. Here. Here's an example of, of now using AI to be the morons oh, that people normally are. God, here we uh, go. It's another one called Jetpack. Jetpack, right? It's kind of right. a happening, cool kind of name. Yeah. Nothing to do with jets or packs, really? by the way. Uh, it uses... Image processing software uh, and pics from Instagram, so it culls these things. Yeah. And using facial recognition software of a sort, yeah. it will break down, okay, how many people are smiling, how many people are male, female, even how many people have hipster mustaches. I really? kid you not. It will then take this information and tell you, the user, yeah. where the cool spots in town are to go. Oh, Jesus. The cool bars. And by literally using algorithms such as they have the most hipster mustaches or people are labeled the happiest Asshole. or the, the trendiest, okay? And right now it's just being used in, this will come as a shocker, San Francisco. Right. Okay? So I guess it's also a topic for which sidewalk has the most human feces on it? <laughs> How many tent settlements are located here? <laughs> I just, just damn. It kind of writes itself, doesn't it? This, well, here's, here's the hula hoop. Okay, yeah. I'm telling you, hula Wait, hoop. Here's Straight the to the bank, laughing all the way. As we're sitting here bitching and moaning and, <laughs> and saying, "Oh, damn these people!" Even though we're quietly jealous. Yeah. Google's already bought this company for an undisclosed sum. Of course they have. Yeah. Dude, we got to do my duh app. We got to do it. <laughs> do it. We will dumb down your life for you. Ugh. Here's a good one. All right. This one's called Yarn. 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 As in, like, make things out of yarn? Uh, I wish. Or a tall tale? My, it was my initial impression. It was like, yeah, okay, cool. This is about knitting. But no, it's an app that features a large library of stories told in text message format. Uh, and this is the quote from the promo. As if you were snooping through somebody else's phone and reading their conversations. Of course, right. Okay, <laughs> first of all, you see how people text? Like, they, they text like they have brain damage. Uh-huh. All right? They misspell shit, punctuation, forget it. Yep. This is what you want to read? You know what's you know? worse? What I happened heard, to books? I, I heard on the radio yeah. today, and I forget exactly which... If it was the new one, Threads, or if it was something still to do with Twitter. Yeah. But they've even got these AI robots that are just culling all this information from the internet. Yeah. They've got them spending time on those apps. And the first thing I thought of was, like you said, I mean, it's gibberish. It's, it's all signs and emojis and bad right. English and grunts right. and whistles. Yeah. And it's like AI is, is looking at this, and this is how it's going to add this knowledge to its database of, yeah. of how to... I just yeah. Hey, another great <laughs> app idea. We'll call it invading people's privacy. <laughs> and anybody under before. anybody under thirty, the, the the concept of privacy, you're gonna lump it in with the dinosaurs. Yeah. But you know, once upon a time, people kind of at least fainted minding each other's minding your own business. I should say. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously that's gone out the window. But yeah, now to encourage you this know is the kind of shit that makes you want to move to a cabin in the woods, it really kinda, is. or an island in the way out in the middle of the ocean. You but know. that being said, yes, there are some that show a smidgen of merit. Okay, such as a smidgen, a smidgen. Okay, skunk lock, skunk lock. 
when skunks meet bike locks, basically. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it's sort of awesome. The, the skunk lock, it is a, a locking device for a bicycle that you would chain up in the city or wherever. Right. And if the lock is tampered with, it blasts out a high-pressured blast of skunk smell <laughs> onto the perpetrator, right? Really? Which, wow. I'm looking at this, and I'm like, oh, they're so sure excited. I mean... It's got potential. Forget, you know, skunk lock for bikes. Right. Now, for automobiles. Now, if you have a roommate, for your favorite outfit. <laughs> now, for your kids who keep going to the cabinet and taking your, your special peanuts. Whatever. I would skunk lock everything I owned. Nice. I'd just sit back and just say, have I think it. they had you in mind when they <laughs> created this. I really do. Because anything that could just... A, ruin the day of a passerby, okay. and just get back at those who would wish me ill will. I'm on board. Take my money. <laughs> Please take my money. I would invest in Skunk Lock with the, 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 with the caveat that they would, or the disclaimer, rather, that they would please expand their line. Just right. cover everything. Right, right. I All want right. digital versions. If somebody touches my computer at work, psst, bang. Just, yeah. And then, and then watch them knowing the people that I work with deny that it was them. Again, I think it has potential. I do. I like it. I like the mind behind creating this. Yes. You know, that was a diabolical mind at work. I can relate to that mind. For the I people can. who bought you the glitter bomb. <laughs> well, let me close with this, Johnny. All right. There's an app out there called Fabulous. I like All it already. Right. All right. This, is, this, this app is going to make you Fabulous, all right? It's an interactive self-improvement app to help you change your habits in as little as 19 days. That's not a lot of time. Um, 19 they days? They say it takes 21 days to make a, a habit. You can be fabulous <laughs> in 19, though. I mean, I mean, fabulous and skunk lock. Well, the great David Lee Roth once said, the, uh, the problem with self-improvement is knowing when to quit. Right. That does sound like something David would say. Yeah. yeah. So 19 days, huh? Fabulous. Oof. Fabulous. Fabulous. Yes. You're not going to be meh. You're going to be fabulous. Yes. I guarantee that. And again, given the, the level of douche chillage that this gave me, mm -hmm. I'm thinking gazillionaire. You know, I'm or, we're talking like Zuckerberg. Let's time do a copycat there. version. Okay. okay. With realistic expectations. Yes. Let's just call it tolerable. I think it has <laughs> potential. I do. Because there's a lot of people that I would get along so much better with if they were just tolerable. This will make you tolerable inside of 19 days. Let's yeah, let's set realistic goals. I give you 17 days to be tolerable. You think Eat you that. could do it in 17? I think we could do it in 17 days. Nice. It's yeah. it's worth a shot. I think. <laughs> Become tolerable in as little as two weeks, folks. <laughs> wow. This is the world we've come to. Yeah. So again, I, I wish all these folks <laughs> all the best, and my my. My hat comes off to you because it, it takes some ingenuity or one really good drinking session to come up with any one of these ideas. Laughing all the way to the bank, man. I'm telling you. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway. For those of us who can't be tolerable or fabulous, <laughs> we have a little, little piece of magic of our own called Ye the middle gem. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And a most appropriate gem, I, I will say. And um, kudos to you for coming up with the middle jam. Well, you, you. you reached into the toy box uh, again. You kind of dug deep on this one. I love you, to see you that. Dug deep, you know, there was motivation behind it. Yep. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a, a most appropriate middle jam, I think, for the topic we were just talking about, and uh, it. Uh, I think it speaks, or I think the title of the song speaks for itself. This is uh, an oldie but a goodie from Peter Frampton called "I'll Give You Money." That's right. We're going to play it for right now. And again, I mean, out of the toy box, who would have thought? You take a guy that's famous for three songs and you play his fourth. There Nicely you go. done. Nicely yep. done. We'll be back in a couple minutes, folks, with some more things and stuff. Everything 
<laughs> Which is actually kind of prescient, and I'll tell you why, Johnny. Uh, this was from Frampton's 1975 album, Frampton. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the last studio album, I believe it was his third, that he did before the monumental, mega, Juggernaut. mega successful Juggernaut album, Frampton Comes Alive. Mm-hmm. And most of the songs that became hits on Frampton Comes Alive were on this album. Uh, that was including Show Me the Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also including Baby, I Love Your Way. Uh, something about ways with Frampton. <laughs> Frampton talked about ways and boom, straight to the bank. Right. But, you know, like we were talking about, you know, these ideas, these things that blow up and then suddenly your whole reality changes, be it an app or, mm-hmm. you know, Frampton was doing, I think he was just doing arenas, you know, places like the Cow Palace in San Francisco when they were recording Frampton Comes Alive. And who could have could have predicted that, seen that coming, mm-hmm. you know? He was a moderately successful guy up until that point, courtesy of Humble Pie, uh-huh. the band that preceded that, a band called Herd. Um, I absolutely loved Humble Pie myself. They were a huge influence on Aerosmith, you know, mm-hmm. our opening gem uh, number. And, uh, and yeah, you know, things changed radically for Peter shortly after the Frampton album. Well, let me ask you this, because you love being put on the spot. I do. And you might not have an opinion, but just you know, out of my own curiosity, yeah. Um, and the people at home, you know, most of them know that you were in a band. I never say music project <laughs> band. And uh, you yourself, yeah, believe it or not, I believe play a little guitar, probably more than you'd like to let oh, on. Very, very little. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> in your opinion, yeah. And you just mentioned you almost answered the question already. Mentioning his uh, humble pie and heard heard, okay. yeah. Uh, like H-E-R-D, not like I heard it through right. the grapevine. Now, the like success a herd of, of Frampton Buffalo. Comes Alive. Yes. Would you attribute it more to musicianship and talent or gimmick, right place, right time, with a great crowd that night? Um, based on my experience in the music industry, I would say it was just classic, classic timing. Mm. Right place, right time. Um, the guy had the talent. You know, because when you have the opportunity, when the opportunity presents itself to you, you have to have the talent to carry it off. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons Hampton, uh, Frampton left um, Humble Pie is because they were, he was a phenomenal, phenomenal guitar player, a very, very underrated guitar player. And they were going harder to rock, and it really didn't, the music they were doing didn't create opportunities for him to show off his virtuosic mm-hmm. guitar chops, his talent. Right. So, you know, he set out on his own. And, yeah, the playing on Frampton Comes Alive is, is stunning. And he got a great crowd that night. Mm-hmm. Somehow the energy um, was carried over onto the recording, which doesn't always happen. Right. It was just a classic case of right place, right guy, right time, right songs, right talent, boom. And, yeah, it's, it's to become successful at the level that Frampton became successful takes pretty much nothing short of a miracle. Mm. And that's what Frampton Comes Alive was. You know, it was a, just that... The, perfect storm of circumstances um, all coming together and creating, you know, this, like you said, a juggernaut, because it's anything short of that descriptor doesn't even capture what Frampton right. Comes Alive was. Unfortunately, you know, like the juggernaut albums, Thriller, like uh, Rumors, mm-hmm. you know, the follow-up. Right. Well, you I'm know, sure it's still in the top three, at least, best-selling live albums. Of oh, all no time. doubt. No doubt. And, I mean, the guy, you know, cemented his status as a legend that will live on long, right. long after Peter has left this earth. Mm. But, uh, but, yeah, when you hit that height, there, there is no follow-up. There is no encore. And it enabled him to be part of uh, that extremely successful film version of Sergeant Pepper's Arts Club <laughs> ad. Abomination. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> See, that's unfortunately what can happen when you hit yeah. that level is you, you'd lose all sense of time and space and you get yes. talked into stupid projects with the Bee Gees. Exactly. And, you know, on that note of, yes. of the, uh, well, falling down the mountain, as uh, they say. Yes. It brings us to the sad cautionary tale this week Oof. of the good folks... At the worldwide leader, yes, the one and only ESPN. Another former media titan and dying just... a slow, agonizing, very, very public death. Well, things, CNN, we're talking week. to you guys. Yeah, seriously. Wow. And, and I'm glad you mentioned CNN because I said to you, I don't want this segment to be a doing a jig on the grave of oh, ESPN. Oh, God, no. God, no. Because we both grew up as part of the generation that was gifted this amazing network that did stuff that, look, 
Sorry to go super old-timey and black and white on everybody, but before ESPN, there was Wild World of Sports. Oh, yeah. When and I, there was one NFL pregame show, which was on yep. CBS, yep. where we got to absorb the knowledge of one Jimmy the Greek. The black Google is a better it. athlete mm. to begin with. ESPN changed all that. And yes, it took him a great many years to actually get marquee sporting events. Oh, yeah. But they did. And it also gave us their... A, a litany of sports uh, journalism personalities: Chris Berman, Tom Jackson, yep. Rich Eisen. Oh yeah. I well, mean, when I say agonizing, I mean it's agonizing for us. Yeah. You know, to watch this taking place, knowing what ESPN used to be. Right, and that's the thing. I mean, this hasn't happened overnight. It's it's taken a while. Yeah. And the problem is, since ESPN and their parent company ABC has been bought by Disney, there have been changes, and you know, ESPN itself much like CNN, went from an honest-to-goodness straight black and white, this is what we do and this is why you love us, to adding their own two cents to everything and getting oh, yeah. way too political in their, their broadcasters, as well as silencing those broadcasters who lent an opinion to, to certain sure. things. Okay? Oh, sure. Well, to use the Frampton analogy, it's like once you hit a certain level of success, what do you do for an encore? Right. You know, subsequently, a lot of times... The answer is you screw it up completely, mm-hmm. you know, because you, you you can't go. There's no more there there. Right. You know, so there's only one way to go yeah. down. Now, know? if if you break down, and it was so many uh, of their personalities, their on-air talent that's been let go. Yeah. Let's start with the ones that I'm going to miss. Susie Colber, a number one front and center. Yeah. I've watched her since she was, you know, probably in her early or late like twenties. She started with that station. Yeah. And. She's got a great personality. She she relates. I want to kiss you, athletes, without ever having been an athlete at that level herself. Right. And for a woman to do, not many have been successful at that. Okay. Right. right. And let's let's just you know throw this out there. I do put her in a different category than in Aaron Andrews and people like that. Right. Because Susie was like she would sit there and eat pizza and have a beer with you. Yeah. As she's like doing an interview, she she got it. She wasn't a spokesmodel type right okay so yeah i put her in the same category as say a robin roberts you know right, right. who just they, they reek of legitimacy yeah well correct me if i'm wrong but and this is much more uh a situation that's that's near and dear to you than it is to me but they asked some people that have been there for a long time we're talking like 20 right. year talents they booted out the door including her you know another one that went which i wasn't really sorry to see go max kellerman right who if people aren't familiar you know, Max has been with ESPN, I'm going to go say at least 20 years. Wow. Started out covering boxing. That was his arena, pardon the pun. Yeah. But now he branched off to a lot of things, and he's probably most famous for every season predicting the demise of Tom Brady's skills. It was like, <laughs> it was like the, the groundhog showing his head. Beginning of the season, spring yeah. training, you know, right here they are in, in, in training camp, rather. Yeah, didn't that start in like 2014? Yeah, and here's Max Kellerman. This is the year that Brady's going to decline and be an old, you know, loser. And a, really? Yeah. yeah. It never happened, obviously. Right. In fact, it looks like, you know, Tom Brady's still going strong, and now Max Kellerman's, boop, on the outs. Funny how that works. And well, yeah. wait a minute. He didn't invest in, uh, in uh, what was it, FTX2, oh, did he? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and again, you're going to see a clear-cut case of the people you see on the way down are the same way they're same people you see on the way up. And both a lot of the really high-powered athletes, like your LeBrons and Michael Jordans and right. Tom Brady's, you know, these guys have memories too. So oh, now, sure. when all these pundits are out there looking to latch on somewhere, okay, mm-hmm. do you think for a second that Tom Brady, who's got this offer in waiting with Fox, you know, to get paid a bajillion dollars, yeah, if Max Kellerman is is looking to come on board Fox in some capacity at the same time, don't think he's going to get any help from Tom. Definitely not, as he shouldn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's two right there, but then there are some other uh, personalities that over the years that ESPN and or ABC has parted ways with, and two that come to mind from the football arena. Right. Joe Theismann and Ron Jaworski. Right. Both famous quarterbacks. Both guys knew their shit. You know, they they would do caricatures of, of Ron Jaworski <laughs> because he was always watching film. Yeah. And Frank Caliendo would do imitations of him and say. 
the last two days, I just got done watching 800 hours of film. And then, <laughs> and then he would give his you know, predictions or whatnot. Right. But these were outspoken, like, meat and potatoes, throwback guys. Yeah. And Joe Theismann said a lot of things that I never found offensive. I thought the guy would just say what was on his mind. Sure. And he never said things to kind of, you know, to get that... Was it the hot take and get more? Because he was Joe Theismann. He didn't yeah. need that. You know? yeah. I yeah. met the man. I had a long conversation with footballer Adam. I, I thought it was delightful yeah. and very courteous with his time. You know, right, right. But there are other ones out there. Like, I mean, we're not talking about you put Kurt Schilling in front of a mic and just get the, get the delay button ready because he's going to say something he's stupid. He's going to say something really stupid. You yeah. know, but a lot of these guys, you can, I could even say Deion Sanders when he was a pundit talking about the games. I kind of liked his take. And for the longest time, maybe not now, but for the longest time, I used to enjoy listening to Chris Collinsworth, too. Yeah. Because he was the same way. He wasn't beholding to anybody. Right. He would just say what he thought. And... Got to be careful with that. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. But see, that's what they've, they've stamped out over the years there. Mm-hmm. And the flip side of the coin is, as they started to get wise that, wow, people aren't really tuning in for the politics, they were able to unload dead weight like Jameel, uh, Jameel Hill, Right. right. And right. they shipped her off to some other station. Yeah. Look, you want to talk about politics and, 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 and racism and equality and all that? That's fantastic. Go to NPR or someplace. Well, yeah. If you've got that going on on the field with the players, mm-hmm. don't really want to hear it from the commentators. You know, you just don't. You know, that's a, that's a bit much. Yeah. And uh, there is something traumatic. And, you know, this is something that uh, I guess is kind of, it, it comes with time. But there's something traumatic about seeing them tossing bodies overboard that have been around for 20 years or 25 years. You don't do that when things are going well. Right. You know, you're seeking change. And change can be painful and dramatic, Mm. and it can be turbulent as hell. Right. And, you know, like I said, it's not something you do when things are going well. So it's like you're seeing this institution, you know, potentially imploding on itself. Mm -hmm. You know, And, and again, for guys that, you know, saw it from the beginning... See it coming up and, and remember it as a brilliant idea once upon a time. It's like, wow, are we are we there now? Yep. You know. And you're right, you're picking up a very good very good point. You know, when things are going well, you're not cleaning house. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, the most talented of the individuals that were let go, if they so choose, can find a home on another network. Sure. I mean, the NFL network, I've always felt is where, like, the NFL pundits go to die. Yeah. Because if you watch... I mean, nobody watches their pregame show. You watch no. Fox, you watch CBS, NBC. Yeah. Because they've got the guys that are really in touch with it. they got the good rapport. Yeah. Good producers, good people writing. Yeah. And yeah. definitely the farm team is, like, the NFL Network. The same thing can be said for MLB. Failure. I would hate, as a Mets fan, when the Mets games... Of course, I don't have to worry about it this year, because, <laughs> yeah, that... But when they would put their games on ESPN, I'm like, oh, shit. I mean, you can't even watch it. They don't do the time to research who who the players are. And not that that's easy, because they got different teams coming in every week for their, you know, Sunday night baseball. But it's just like, it's like not even watching your team, so why even bother? Yeah. So I'm not saying anything that anything that these people do is is, is easy, but I am pointing the finger at ESPN, because like you said, it's... You know, we've been inviting these people in our homes, and it's been a part of us growing up, literally, yeah, for so many years. So. Very much so. I mean, I still miss listening to Chris Berman and Tom Jackson doing the rundown from the games, you oh, know, yeah. with Berman with his stupid, you know, uh, nicknames for everybody, yeah. and Tom Jackson getting all excited on it like he was down on the field playing. Oh, yeah. It worked. That's why they were on for so long. It's like I miss John Madden and Pat Summerall calling oh, games. Oh, sure. Well, I was just thinking, you know, Dandy Don Meredith and Howard Cosell. Yep. You know, when you were in the moment, it was hard to... Wrap your brain around the idea of a time where these guys were going to be gone. Yeah. You know, and it was going to be a different era and a different yep. time. And especially and, with now Thursday night games. Yeah. You know, look at the crew that, that Amazon trots out. <laughs> it's not working, man. That's pain, uh, it's painful to watch those games. Yeah. But Do now you, we got all this other talent floating around, so. Yeah. Well, you know, to, to use the, the, the coming up, going down analogy, you know, a lot of these places are where you see these guys when either they're Coming up, or they're on their way back down again. Indeed, he do. Indeed, yeah. he do. It's an in, interesting <laughs> thing, evolution. Yeah, so as we yeah. uh, tie a, a little bow on this segment, because yeah. I think this week we're not going to run over, if we can help it. Okay. Let's tie a little bow on it, you know, because it is the end of the line for Message nice. Worldwide Leader. Nice segue, Johnny. I chose, as a, as a final jam, a song that's near and dear to my heart, 
And again, not meant as a doing a jig on the grave of ESPN, not but at all. a, a not fond at all. farewell to my little Susie Culver. Uh, a little tune by the Traveling Wilburys called End of the Line. So I'm going to play that now. We'll be back in a couple minutes for our very special video section of this episode. And for the people listening in the old audio style, well, we'll probably start wrapping up the show. So either way, stay tuned. We'll be right back. But it's all Someone to tell you everything Sit around and wonder what tomorrow will bring Maybe a diamond ring Well, it's all right Even if they say you're wrong Well, it's all right Sometimes you gotta be strong Well, it's all right As long as you got so much to lay Somewhere down the road when somebody plays I do love me some traveling wheelberries. Yeah. And well, I did uh, beseech Michael Sean Lee in this episode. I was like, you know what? Normally, you know, your realm is, 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 is the end jam and a lot of times the middle jam. Yeah. I just want the one up front. But I wanted to stick this at the end because, again, I wanted to just like bon voyage, oh, ESPN, yeah. well, very, very personalities that have been kaput. Yeah, very appropriate. <laughs> very appropriate. Um, and just, you know, you're a far bigger Wilburys fan than, than I am. But, yep. you know, even though, it, you know, my big, big issue with them, as we've talked about, is the Jeff Lynne production on their, their work. But, it's not your cup of tea. I mean, it's just jaw-dropping, the talent. Yeah. You know, like we are just saying, it's like, hey, you know, when you're calling around the guys, you know, I got, you know, George Harrison and mm -hmm. I got, like, freaking Howdy Doody. You want to come join right. the band? <laughs> sure, I'm on my way. Dropping well, everything, here I come. Yeah, you know, unlike Toto, here's a super band that worked. Yeah. Okay? Sorry, Toto. Um, yes, that, of course, was The Traveling Wilburys off of uh, their first album, which is simply titled Volume One. Right. And for those who don't know, The Traveling Wilburys initially consisted of uh, 
the aforementioned Jeff Lynn from ELO, Roy Orbison, um, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, and Jeff George Harrison. And George Harrison, yeah. I said Jeff on the front. And isn't it amazing that like every single one of those guys looked up to Roy? Yeah. You know, Roy was the elder the guy. Yeah. 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 Even Dylan was, you know, in awe of Roy Orbison. Yep. And just to show people, I'm not one of those out of touch and aloof uh, music heads that looks down <laughs> on everybody else. I was turned on to the traveling world berries by all people, my mother. <laughs> Funny, the, the, the sources of inspiration that, right? and whatnot. And yeah. uh, she's like, oh, you would like this new group, Johnny, that I'm listening to? I'm like, uh, who is it? You know, thinking something out of the Neil Diamond, Kenny Rogers ilk, <laughs> you know? But it's as uh, she started going through her, like, big Rod Stewart phase, too, which right, right. also taught me a lot about Rod Stewart that I didn't know, and he nice. became one of my favorites. Nice. So, yeah, I... Uh, Mama Teflon's in a... Mama in Teflon. A, in a, a little both of the parents do in their own nice. way. All right. Like, Dad would handle the 50s and the, and the Rockabilly, Johnny sure. Cash stuff. Yeah. Mom was more Motown, but okay. she was always better at adapting to newer stuff that, w- that was coming out. Right on. Dad just shut down after, like, 1956, basically. <laughs> right. Not uncommon. Not uncommon. Yeah. But, you know, I, I became a, a fan of the Wilburys, and I would, like, just melt this cassette, you know, playing it all the time in my car. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's the super group that, that worked, you know, and they all took turns writing the songs and, and creating the, uh, the different, you know, melodies and whatnot, and yeah. it just, just worked. Yeah. So this tune in particular, um, the video came out, sadly, after Roy had passed. Right. Um, so in the video, distinctly, when his part comes up, it's just kind of a, a light shining on a rocking chair with his guitar, which is like kind of poignant. Yeah, totally. Um, and there was a Traveling Wilburys Volume 2, both of which are out of print, mind you. Really? But yeah, oh, but wow. um, it, it was also good, just slightly not as good as the first one, yeah. probably because there was no Roy. Well, you know, and you're talking about, you know, and this you, you can't say this about probably any other band, supergroup or not, but talk about being the victims of your own legacy. Yeah. I mean, how are you ever going <laughs> to live up to... You know, wow, you got George Harrison working with Bob Dylan, working with Tom Petty, yeah. you know, working with Jeff Lynn. It's like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, just stunning, stunning talent there. Yeah. I mean, when, when Tom Petty isn't the alpha male musician in the room, you know, what does that say about this group that you pulled together? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just stunning. Yeah. You know, and yeah, they were very easygoing, very, very cool, very groovy. Just affable. Yeah, yeah you know. There was a, a video of a live show of them going around, too. And even more stars came on, on deck just for the stage show yeah. to do different pieces of it and everything. It's just amazing. Well, like I said, who wouldn't want to be involved in that? You know? Right. You'd have a guy like Bruce Springsteen you know, exactly. wanting to jump in yeah. you know, and something like that. Or, Literally. You know, somebody of that ilk. Yep. You know, that's, that's saying something. And uh, you know, that song, uh, like I probably, I think I mentioned, was uh, End of the Line. Yes. Uh, it reached number 63 on the Billboard Top 100. Okay. Um, but look. They didn't need the money, so it was all good. <laughs> uh, that yeah. was the only song out of theirs where uh, Bob Dylan does not sing. Interesting. He still gets a credit as a as a writer of the song, which was right. their agreement. Right. But uh, yeah, Tom Petty sings the verses. The other guys do the choruses, and that was that. Wow. But there's other songs in our album, so you could tell who like each song was the brainchild of. Oh sure. Because it definitely matches their body of work. Right. You know? Right. Very distinctive styles. Right. So, wow. We take uh, a half a second pause for ID. You're listening to Rips and Rants or something like that. Right. Here's our uh, Do No Molt for the week. Yes. That segment that just slaps up against the video What segment. is going on in Big Boom Radio this week, Johnny? I'm happy to say nothing. We're going to try and enjoy a little bit of summer. Get yeah. Yeah. I got some new shows coming up on Big Boom Radio that's already taken care of, so relax. All right. I'm going to send this puppy to video again. Thank you to everybody that's already watched last week's and yeah. listened to last week's. Keep it up. And yeah, uh, the YouTube thing is is kind of picking up a little momentum. And I enjoyed it. I kind of like the way it worked out. Yeah. You know, and there's 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 more to come. There's a lot more bells and whistles to come. Always. Right now, I'm just trying to deal with these like 10 gigabyte files <laughs> without melting my computer. <laughs> uh, back in the land of that, I thought I left that behind and published it. Oh, but, good nope. God! Yeah, giant files. Uh, and otherwise, yeah. Hello, it's the middle of summer. It's hot as hell and humid. Yeah. And at the end of us taping this show, we're off to go see the Reverend Horton Heat. And the Delta Bombers. So good time, good time, good time. Our first show of the summer. 
Next one's on you. You got to start planning something. I'll I'll dig something up. All right. So on that note, thank you everybody for joining us on this our hundred and fifty third episode. Wow. Wow is right. And as always, I'm Johnny Teflon, and I'm Michael Sean Lee, and we will see you all on the flip side.